and welcome to the official podcast of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. In today's episode, we'll be discussing home ownership and the changing Australian dream. My name is Tessa Loftus and with me this time around is social researcher Mark McCrindle. Mark, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me, Tessa. No problem. So we're talking about the changing Australian dream and some of the social and demographic impacts on that. So maybe you could get us started by talking about what you think the the biggest uh, social trend uh, that has an impact on on this changing Australian dream is. Well, home ownership has always been a mainstay of the Australian way of life and economy. It uh, does a number of things. It creates consistency or tenure in a community. Uh, The average renter in Australia stays 1.8 years per home. So you get a lot of turnover in high rental communities compared to where there's home ownership. And uh, you therefore, with home ownership, get a bit more investment in the local community, more volunteering, uh, and uh, just less of that churn that we see. But the other thing that happens at an individual level when there's home ownership is that it's a forced savings vehicle. So the people end up uh, rather than spending all the money, putting that money in to pay down that mortgage, and that has the, the benefit of creating an asset over time and uh, and reducing just the money that might be spent on depreciating things. So it has both a, a macro and, and then an individual benefit when there is uh, that Aussie dream available. So what do you think are the most sort of interesting demographic uh, issues in this area that are kind of currently in play? Well, normally the Aussie dream was something that the younger people entered into, those in their mid-20s that were moving into the nesting stage of life, thinking about starting a family, settling down, uh, uh, having you know a stable mortgage or a stable career and, uh, and, and children uh, on the way. They, uh, they then would, would invest in that, in that mortgage, that home. Uh, but we've seen that whole life stage be changed, be pushed back indeed. I mean, people are marrying in the early 30s now, not the early to mid-20s. The median age of having a child is in the early 30s, again, not the early mid-20s. So we've seen those life stages be pushed back. Uh, as people study later, as people uh, travel and do other things more in their early to mid-20s. But uh, the other factor that's delaying all of this is the cost of living and particularly the cost of housing. So it is pushing that Aussie dream back later in life, if even it's being entered into at all. Given this sort of big shift, what do you think the biggest risks are with this sort of change, both sort of individually and, as you say, societally, because they will obviously be different and they'll have different impacts. Well, if you have a whole generation that seems to be shut out, feels as if it's shut out of what was the, the, the Australian way of life, you know, where one income in your early stage of life could access a home, if that seems to have been shut out for a whole generation, it does create social fragmentation and discontent. It does create a sense of a generation not able to follow in the pathway of their parents, perhaps being further behind where their parents ended up. And this this is a bit of a challenge. It can um, it can further spread that, that, that income disparity that we see growing in Australia and, uh, and indeed stratifying the generations in terms of wealth. So it does have impacts if that traditional pathway isn't possible. And, uh, you know, there are... There are some positive reasons why young people aren't getting into home early. They're, they're more likely to have a university degree. They're investing in their own education and careers. We've got two incomes now, not just one. And so you know, that does mean that there's extra study and, and extra, I guess, um, investment in the educational capital. But the result of that is they're starting their earnings years later and in debt, paying down that that uh, that student loan or that tech debt and, uh, and again being further behind. So 
there's positives and there's negatives to the new pathways, uh, but there is a growing sense of discontent amongst a generation who just can't afford a home. You slightly uh, anticipated what my next question was going to be, but um, do you think there's any uh, of these challenges that, that could potentially be used as opportunities, again, both sort of individually uh, or societally as a whole? Yeah, there are. Look, if people aren't uh, having to be locked into that mortgage repayment, there is some other money that they can spend. They might diversify in their investments. They might uh, invest in their own business. Uh, They have a bit more freedom and so aren't locked into a a certain area, can invest in their own, not only education, but their own life experience in terms of travel. They have more freedom. But there can be a downside to that in that the money gets spent that would have been locked into paying down that mortgage into experiences, into uh, intangibles. And and again, you're great for life experience and education, not so great in terms of moving ahead economically and financially. Yeah. So do you think that that sort of uh, shift in the way we're spending money generationally will actually have a long term impact on sort of social structures and the economy and some of those sort of broader um, sort of social underpinnings? Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, the the suburbs used to be the great melting pot of Australian society where you'd have the plumber and the doctor, you'd have the teacher and the uh, the business owner, you know, that we just mixed and and interacted in the melting pot of of the suburbs. And anyone on an income or certainly two could get into a, a home. That has changed a bit. And, uh, and people are being you know, locked out of that. You've got a lot more renting, as I said. You've got a lot more uh, people moving into the high-density homes and the, the self-detached homes are becoming their own economic strata. Uh, the other challenge that you get is that uh, you end up with people uh, falling behind economically where otherwise they could be. And sure, there is going to be a massive intergenerational wealth transfer. The baby boomers of today are sitting on about $3 trillion of private wealth nationally. Most of it locked in. It is. Uh, nearly all of that is in, or a lot of it, certainly most of it is is in property. Um, and so over the next 20 to 30 years, much of that will be passed on or maybe spent. Um, but there's going to be some winners in that, the children are of those who have the wealth, but there's going to be a lot who don't get anything received down to them because their parents didn't have property. And so I think we will end up seeing a further spread of wealth in Australia, um, a further dislocation of the haves and the have-nots through this intergenerational wealth transfer because it's not self-made, it's not the opportunity for everyone. You can really only get a home if you get some largesse from your parents. All right, thanks very much for your time today, Mark. Oh, you're very welcome, Tessa, thanks. And we'll be back with another episode of the ASIC podcast very shortly. Mm-hmm.